0: Welcome to Bible study. This is Nick Rita, your host. Happy to be with you again. Thank you for tuning in with us and uh, I pray to God that this uh, Bible study will uh, appeal to your heart today. I have a panel here which I would like to introduce to you. I will start uh, from my right here. Lija, thank you for uh, coming with us and join us for this Bible study.
1: Praise the Lord to be
2: here.
0: Thank you, Helen, also for coming along.
2: Thank you. Welcome, listeners. It's a
0: great delight to be here to share. Ellen, also very happy to have you with us. Well, thank you for that. Hello, listeners. Mm-hmm. Today, Ken is our facilitator, and uh, Ken, we're looking forward for this uh, Bible study and what you have prepared for us, and uh, welcome to the program. Thank you very much, Nick. It's always a pleasure to be here. All right. Well, um, I will let you, Ken, just uh, make a start and... Uh, uh, we may have a prayer in a minute.
3: Hello listeners and welcome to this week's exciting Bible study. Last week we started one of the most important books in the Old Testament, the book of Daniel. Today's study is entitled, From Jerusalem to Babylon. It looks at God's sovereignty, the children of Israel taken into captivity, pressure to conform and forget God and how God looks after those who honor him no matter what. I hope you will en- you will. Follow us through this book as it tells the future of our world up to the return of Jesus. Listeners, as we look at this study today, we want to remember all those people in Australia who have lost their homes, their possessions, their livelihood, and in many cases, family and friends. Please remember them in your prayers, along with all the rescue people. And if you can donate some money or some of your time to help out where possible, that would be great. Lynn, I'm going to ask you to start off with a prayer.
4: Sure. Father in heaven, we're very much aware today of the fact that many people in this land are suffering a lot of stress because of the fires and the aftermath of the fires. And we pray that as we share with everyone today, the fact that um, Daniel was one of those who suffered a lot of stress too, when he was torn away from his homeland and made decisions to serve and honour you, that um, all of us will learn from his experience, those who've been affected by the fires directly and perhaps us who haven't been affected by it directly. I pray that the Holy Spirit might be with us as we uh, present this study today and with all the listeners that they might um, be able to identify with you, with your word, and with Daniel. So we invite your blessings in Jesus'
3: name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Liam. As I said, listeners, at the start, this is a really important book of the Bible. And if you've just tuned in and you missed last week's study, we were just starting to get into this book, and it was an introduction last week. But as we look at this week, we find the tribes of Israel and Judah have been taken into captivity by King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. I'm going to ask Len to read Daniel chapter 1 and verse 4 to see what's happening. Okay,
4: well I'm going to be reading from the New International Version, book of Daniel chapter 1 verses 1 to 4. The book starts out with this. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia, and put in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring in some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without any physical defect. Handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians.
3: Very good, Liam. Now, these people that were taken, was there anything else special about them, these young people? I think I'm right in saying they were younger people because they had to be taught... So they weren't, shall we say, the general population of the city. Would that be correct?
4: No, these were the elite from the uh, Judah society from Jerusalem. These were probably people of noble birth. In other words, they would have been uh, children from some of the clan leaders and so on. But they were clever and um the king wanted these people now it's very interesting that the king chose people from a captured nation to serve in his service, to be people of importance in that kingdom, he must have recognized the value there was in some of these captured people
0: and he was going to make good use of them Nick? I was just going to add on what Lena's sharing and uh, I'd like to bring uh, from the beginning um, something uh, across. We are dealing here with um, two different cultures if you like. We are talking about from Jerusalem to Babylon. Now when you think of those two things, Jerusalem Babylon, it will speak a lot to you. You know, Jerusalem was where God manifested himself. Jerusalem was known where the living God was the one who was uh, recognized and, and ruling. Babylon, on the other hand, was the confusion, was where God was not present. And even those people who didn't know the true God or the living God by themselves personally, they heard about the living God and the miracles of the living God, which he was doing in Israel now when this king Nebuchadnezzar had these Jewish people I believe he he understood that in some respect that God allowed him actually to capture uh, Jerusalem because before many kings and many kingdoms they were afraid of of uh, Uh, the people of God, because God was the one who was ruling them. And what I'm trying to say here, that this is not just something that Daniel and his friends was just an exception, that there were just three or four uh, young uh, wise people. I believe there were many wise people because they knew God. Even though their presence in Babylon was because they turned away from the living God, that God who led them so Almighty over the time. Larry, you
3: want to add something to that?
0: Yeah, they had a godly heritage,
4: although it appears that most people did no longer serve God. However, amongst those who were taken were some who did, and this is the story of them and how they were faithful to God in a pagan society.
3: It's a really interesting point, Nick, that you brought up between the two cities, Jerusalem and and, uh, Babylon. Obviously, Jerusalem was where God was, and Babylon was where the heathen gods were. And it is amazing that uh, they were able to overtake the Jews and capture them. And we're going to look, perhaps, why that was. So, uh, Helen, would you read uh, 2 Kings chapter 21?
2: Chapter 21, 10 to 16. (coughs) Let me share this with you. And this explains why God let his people be taken captive in the first place. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says Then the Lord said through his servants, the prophets King Manasseh of Judah has done many detestable things. He is even more wicked than the Amorites who lived in this land before Israel. He has called the people of Judah to sin with his idols. So this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I will bring such disaster on Jerusalem and Judah that the ears of those who hear about it will tingle with horror. I will judge Jerusalem by the same standard I used for for Samaria and the same measure. I used for the family of Ahab. I will wipe away the people of Jerusalem as one wipes a dish, turns it upside down. Then I will reject even the remnant of my own people who are left, and I will hand them over as plunder for their enemies." For they have done great evil in my sight, and have angered me ever since their ancestors came out of Egypt. Manasseh also murdered many innocent people, until Jerusalem was filled from one end to the other with innocent blood. This was in addition to the sin that he caused the people of Judah to commit, leading them to do evil in the Lord's side." I read that story and I think how horrible, how absolutely horrible and evil and wicked he was. Um, He built temples to heathen gods. He worshipped the the sun and the moon and the stars, uh, not the one who created them. Um, He built altars in the house or the temple of God, altars to um, Bel and Murdoch. Their, their own gods he talked to evil spirits he shared innocent blood plus many more evil things before God I was also led to believe in some of the studies that he even sacrificed his own children on the altar and that yeah. he was wicked and evil mm.
4: well <clears throat> there's probably a parallel in modern times I believe Stalin killed millions of his own countrymen Pol Pot did the same, all the elite, anybody who was educated in Cambodia were murdered and uh, also Idi Amin in Uganda did much the same. Manasseh was not a good king, he was very selfish and didn't uphold the rights of the people, didn't honour God in his life, he was a bad one and... uh, uh, this affected the whole of society. I've studied English history and one of the points that was made very much there in the books and uh, lectures that I've had, bad king or queen, society went bad. Good king or queen, society was much better.
3: Helen, you want to add something to that?
2: Yeah, it's actually not in our study today, but tell me what happened at the end with Manasseh? Did, was he still evil and unrepentant? And the answer, anybody?
0: Uh, Manasseh came back to God.
2: Yes, that's 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 a point I want yeah. to make. And
0: that uh, sorry, uh, you yes. go yes. ahead if you want. No, no, now, you say. What, what I wanted to say that as we alluded a little bit earlier, that okay, the Israelites they um, were not worshiping God anymore. That's why they were taken in captivity. But what important thing is this? God's people, Israel, God even called them like the apple of his eye. Even though they did wicked and, and bad things, God was still trying to get them back in mm. any respects, And that was the case with this uh, uh, evil king. And he did a lot of bad things, as you mentioned there before, but God was still working on his heart. Mm. And he turned to God because the only, that was the only... Uh, place where he <laughs> he will uh, have an answer for Yeah
2: the 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 sad part, it falls in line with what Lynn said too Bad king, bad nation Because even though Manasseh did turn his heart to God And God forgave him I think that's a great lesson for us today That, you know, you might be sitting in your home, your car, whatever And you might say, well, you know, I'm too wicked for God to forgive me Let me Let me refer you to the story of Manasseh Because although this isn't actually predominantly what we're talking about today I feel it's very important to know that you're not lost. If you are seeking God and you feel like, you know, you've done so many wicked things he could never forgive you, just think of the story of Manasseh. Mm. The sad part is though, of course, it affected the nation. And so there were many that were still doing those things. But praise the Lord, we have this story in, in Scripture.
3: I think also one of the interesting things about this is as, as we look at this story, that Israel continued from the beginning of time uh, right up until today to fall in and out of, uh, shall we say, uh, connection with God, so it's nothing new. So I'm going to ask uh, Leach to read uh, Daniel chapter 1 and verse 1 to 2.
1: In the third year of the reign of uh, Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered uh, Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. We observe here that the exile uh, did not take place as an unexpected incident, but was triggered by the power of Babylon or um, as an arbitrary decision of God. And we observed here that several prophets already have warned God's people that unless they repented from their sins and turned back to the covenant, they would be punished by uh, foreign forces that would destroy the temple and take them captives to a foreign land. So even prof- the prophet Jeremiah, who prophesied during those times, also urged the royal authorities of judah to submit to babylon because that was god's will so after uh, many unheeded warnings nebuchadnezzar came up to jerusalem and brought judah under the control of uh, the babylon empire and he attacked he took over jerusalem and uh, he emptied the city of people and took all the items and everything whatever was precious
3: that's that's so interesting would some, sorry Helen you want to add something
2: <laughs> I was just going to say we've seen clearly you know uh, going on what Lydia just said about the prophets had prophesied this we saw clearly in the, in the text that I read in 2 Kings about Manasseh there was a prophecy God said what he was going to do and here we see um, Lydia just read about Daniel um, chapter 1 here we see the fulfilment really of that prophecy and the, and the Bible is, is true
4: well I think this has another aspect and that's this although god is loving and kind and patient he has his time people just couldn't go on living like this in a godless way and expect nothing would happen exactly now this has a modern parallel we live in a pretty evil time overall and god has promised that there will be an end jesus has promised he will come again Things will not go on forever. So I think there's a lesson here for everyone that we must realize that things are not going to go on like this. God will step in and will do his strange work.
1: And I observed that in his caring love, God warns us beforehand because he doesn't want us to die. He doesn't want to us to perish, but he wants to save us. And he warns us beforehand as he warns the Israelites before, but they didn't listen. So as Len was saying, it's a lesson for us to realize and to observe God's voice to us and his warnings and to
3: comply with. Helen, you're to add to that?
2: Yeah, the word long-suffering comes into my mind. I've had several people that say to me, I love the God of the New Testament but not the God of the Old. You know, why did he cause so much suffering and <clears throat> so many people were killed? But when you get into reading the Old Testament, you, you do see that God is long-suffering all the way through from eternity. And here's a prime example where... He was long-suffering with these people to a point where he wanted to teach them. Mm -hmm. He wanted them to come back to him, and he tried every which way. And, you know, if finally they get to the point, which the Old Testament points out many times, you know, he then has to allow them to go along their own road, the choices that they have made. But, you know, the God of the Old Testament is the same God as the new. The God in the valley is the same God on the mountain, you know and and i think it's just a point that needed to be made because people turn away from the old testament because they they don't see that but god is long suffering for
1: every one of us and god us uh, god wants us to revise our choices even if he gave us free will free choices for us to choose he wants us to revise our choices the wrong choices that we made before
0: and i was going to just add that um even though we experience today And history unfortunately full of suffering and uh, you know bad things happening God can turn a bad thing into a good thing if you turn to him Mm -hmm. and that's very important to to realize because we are going to see even uh, these young people in Babylon and that was a society full of as we mentioned before of just idol worshipping but if you stick with God. God can turn around from a bad thing, from from uh, captivity to something good. And probably that's the lesson which we are uh, focusing on today.
3: Nick, that's a, a very good point. Also, I have found myself that uh, the God of the Old Testament, as many people will say, is a very contentious story because there's so many very strange things happen in there and lots of people killed and God requires certain things and if you're reading it just on the surface it could look as if this is not the same God that we talk about today but as Helen had pointed out it is certainly the same God and you need to look deeper into these stories but that's uh, that's another topic and we certainly haven't time to, to dig into that one today but it would be an interesting topic Um. There were a lot of people taken. Len, would you like to read Jeremiah chapter 52 and verse 28 just to see how many people were taken?
4: So I'll read the last part of the um, verse 27. So Judah went into captivity away from her land. This is the number of the people Nebuchadnezzar carried into exile. In the seventh year, 3,023 Jews. Now I have to add here, that there was another attack on Jerusalem. The job wasn't completed the first time around. 16 years later, Nebuchadnezzar attacked Jerusalem a second time and took more. That was another 745. Now, if you think about it, it wasn't that many. It wasn't hundreds of thousands. Why did he only take 3,023 on the first attack? Well, I assume many were killed during the uh, attack in the battle. But also, I think there was some sort of selection process who would go. They probably left out the really old people, the people who were infirm or handicapped, and he took the best of the best.
2: cream of the crop
4: the pick of the crop, the the cream cream of the the crop crop. we have pick of the crop (laughs) in our house but anyhow he took the people who would probably be the most influential people from Jerusalem or Judah to Babylon because he could see that there was a big advantage in doing that, now i I don't want to talk about the Second World War too much but Hitler wanted to have the cream of the crop the German master race and anybody who was infirm, too old, too young, whatever were eliminated sadly so Nebuchadnezzar did much the same took the best of the best rather than those who could not contribute uh, very much to his kingdom
0: and then just to add uh, to what you're saying, that I believe also that he had to leave people behind to work the fields of Israel, because uh, otherwise, you'll, what you do you do? You capture a territory, you don't uh, abandon that territory. That territory needs to be, uh, continue to be worked, to be looked after. And I think that was the strategy from all wars, you know, that you'll have people left there, the people who can work the land and who can be subdued uh, to your uh, reign. But you'll take those leaders away from those people not to have troubles there, you know. You'll take the leaders with you, you'll try to reconvert them, if you like, to your <laughs> and culture. And I think that was the case here, you know. Most of the leaders of Israel were taken captives.
3: Just a little point, uh, if panel, if you'd like to maybe add some comments about Babylon. Uh, it was quite an amazing place. Do we know a lot about it? Beautiful place.
0: Oh yes, mm. It was called the uh, uh, the wonders of the one w- of the
2: wonders of the world of one
0: the of world of the seven yes. wonders of the ancient yes. world. of that it The
4: Hanging Gardens, which the king built for his queen, mm. and
3: also it was a very large city, wasn't it? Isn't was Yes, that's correct. And it prosperous. So it was an amazing city in its day. I think <clears throat> I don't think the world has seen anything since. Anyway. Um, We're going to look at four people that were taken from the city of Jerusalem. And we're starting off. There's Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were among the 3,023 people. Now, soon after arriving in Babylon, their names were changed by Ashpen and... I'm not sure I pronounced that quite right. Some of these names are a little bit tricky. Who was appointed by the king to look after these people... Now one of the first things he did was to change their names. Helen, what were the new names they were given?
2: Just before I answer that, let me just say one of the reasons I believe that he wanted to change their names, he wanted them to make them more Babylonian in not only their eyes but in the eyes of the Babylonian people, thinking of course the names would help them to be assimilated into the culture. But I find it interesting that Daniel, his name originally meant God is my judge. And his name was changed to Belteshazzar, which actually means Bel protect his life, which was a Babylonian God. Then we had Hananiah, whose name originally meant the Lord shows grace, but he was changed to Shadrach. And that just meant that he was under the command of Aku, which was the moon god. And then there was Michelle which meant who Michelle who is like God his was changed to Meshach which came out to be who is like Aku mean God Azariah the Lord helps and that was changed to Abednego which means servant of Nebo which was the God of learning and writing so here we have four names that were the Israelite names all acknowledging God and then he swapped it over so that every one of their names was acknowledging their own gods.
1: Mm. thought that was interesting. We all know that uh, in ancient times, a name had a meaning. So, new names that were given to this uh, young uh, Jewish uh, signals a change of ownership and a change of destiny. By renaming the these captives the babylonians intend to assert authority over them and force them to assimilate the values and culture of babylon by honoring foreign deities
3: one of the reasons also i believe their names were changed is that as Len was pointing out earlier on these uh, people are being taken to another place and things had to change for them And obviously the Babylonians wanted them to really forget about their past and try to assimilate into the Babylonian ways. So if your name was John and the next minute you're taken somewhere else and it becomes Michael, uh, it's a really difficult thing to comprehend, but these people certainly uh, had a lot to uh, contend with.
0: Just on that one, um, because even during, uh, you know, communist time, I know that uh, there are people who, even their name was not completely changed, but the meaning of the name was changed a little bit, just to, how to say, to fit with um, uh, the place you are in. All those Jewish names, they had to do with God, you know, they had to do, they will reveal that thing that you believe in a living God. But the uh, Babylonian names, as was referred, they refer to the other gods. And here it's very intentional that they will lose their uh, uh, identity and they will be conformed with the new uh, place where they are living in very strategically it was not just uh, okay we don't like to call you that name because it's hard to pronounce or something <laughs> like that no it, yeah it was very deliberate to, oh. to change their names oh. so you
2: want to judge? yeah something just came into my mind that when I was young and I came from Scotland our Scottish last name was Waddle W-A-D-E-L-L and when we first went along to the school the headmaster suggested to my parents to change it pronunciation from waddle to waddell he said children can be very very cruel i think that was wise on behalf of the principal because you know you relate the the waddle to the waddle of a duck (laughs) and things like Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. and it's interesting that how that name now i've only just thought of that now i haven't thought the name waddle for a long long time and it's interesting how it assimilates into your life and you get so used to it you know, and, and I find that interesting when I look at these these Hebrews, that they had these names. They were known by those names, but yet they didn't lose their identity. And I think that was very, very important.
4: Yes, this name change business is part of the acculturation, planned acculturation of these young men. They were totally out of their old environment. They were in a totally different environment now. And the idea was to change them from Jews to Babylonians to serve in the Babylonian kingdom. Yep. So it's no wonder their names were changed. And there are a whole lot of other things that they were, they were expected to learn. We uh, read from the first part of Daniel 1 how they were to learn the literature, the laws and all that of the Babylonians not just to be useful to the king, but also that they would forget their past. Well, Daniel, Mishael, Azariah, and Hananiah did not forget their past. And that's the the glorious thing of this particular book, that they remained true to God. They served the king, they did a good job, but they never forgot their past. And I think there's a good lesson here too that if, uh, if we have a past for which we can be proud, we should never forget it.
3: Leachie, just before I come back to you for a moment, I just, I'd just like to add to that, that also, listeners, these young men had to learn a brand new language. So in every way, the Babylonians were trying to forget them, uh, trying to make them forget their previous life and all that went along with it. Later, you were going to say what was going to happen to these young men once they were captured?
1: Uh, Yes, I would like to say that they were forced or to follow the uh, the king's regulations to eat from the king's table. So eating from the king's food had deep implications in antiquity. So this, it meant that an undivided allegiance to the king and dependence on him. And as the food was usually offered to the gods or gods of the empire, eating was also a profound religious meaning. Uh, it obvious, obviously meant acceptance of and participation in the king's worship system at that time. Panel: the
3: young men were taken in and, and looked after by the king. It looks like they were going to serve in the king's palace. I mean, was there anything wrong with this? It, it sounds like a really good life to me.
2: I think some of us would agree to that in some ways. You know, we go into a banquet or we go into some sort of party, even today, a feast, and wow, you know, we see all this good food on the table. It's not always good food, though. And sadly, even some people who follow a rigid um, plan in their eating quite often succumb to even the rich foods that are on the table which which are not good for us I'm reminded of the word temperance and of course you know as the panel here knows I've been involved with um, health work and so you know I had to bring this in <laughs> but I, I read a definition of, of um, temperance that says temperance is to dispense entirely with everything hurtful and to use judiciously that which is healthful and in other words temperance is abstaining from the bad and using moderation with the good and so we could say to ourselves, what was wrong with the Babylonian diet? Well, predominantly they had drink there, and they were often known in those times to get drunk. It was alcoholic drink. But also the food had been offered to idols, mm. which was a no-no. The blood had not been drained, and and God had given um, some instructions on that back in Leviticus for them. And the Babylonian diet also included what they considered was unclean meat. So... It really had would have had an effect on them because it d- affects us, having come from the health side, it affects us not just spiritually, it affects us physically, mentally, emotionally. You know, we need to be putting good things in to our system so our whole system works well, including our brains.
3: Lynn, you wanted
4: to add to that? It's interesting to compare what we read in the book of Daniel with what Paul wrote about um, eating, where he was talking about those who are strong in the faith and those who are weak in the faith and he made an illusion or an allegory that there were some in the church who were weak in the faith who only ate vegetables I know that some people take this as there you are you can eat anything you like well you can really but it doesn't always do you good and Some people are disciplined in their eating. Daniel, as has previously been said, and his three friends, chose not to take a chance with the king's food that was provided. In other words, they said, well, we won't drink alcohol. We won't eat food that's been offered to idols. We won't eat food that hasn't been drained of its blood. We won't eat things that are not on the list that's given in Leviticus, where certain things God said, this is good to eat, this is not good to eat. So they made this very powerful decision to stand out from the crowd. Not only that, but they said to their keeper or their guard, look, we don't want to do this, but we'll we'll make a bargain with you we'll eat vegetables and we'll drink water and you test us and at the end of 10 days you compare us to the rest of the people who are also being groomed in the king's service and see who looks the better they showed but by their choice to do what they knew was right and proper despite all the pressure that was put on them they came through with flying colours.
3: Mm.
4: Lietje, you wanted to add something to that?
1: I put myself in, in, in these young people's shoes to be taken from my own country and come to another country. Um, new culture, new language, new worship, new music, totally different. And many, many others, which I, I just cannot mention now, but there was a huge... Challenge in their circumstances. And uh, let's remember about the temptations that they were put through. M- many things, the challenges were so um, strong and visible. And for them to remain loyal to God and survive the overwhelming power of the imperial system demands nothing less than a miracle. So I'm just asking myself. Will they compromise their principles to tread the easy path to glory? So uh, I'm thinking th- this, I can apply this in, 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 on myself in our days that I live. So living in a, in a world around me with uh, different people, different culture, different, different beliefs uh, uh, and so on, will I compromise or
3: no?
0: Nick, you want to yeah, and I think that's, uh, that's the important point uh, in all of this, even though we mentioned that uh, there are uh, many other good things health-wise, you know, in, in what they were choosing, but most important thing that they were faithful to God and they, all, they knew what's wrong. In, uh, in the eyes of God to do and also even though the temptation was so big because this was a, a new opportunity now in a new place in a just Babylon, you know, you're, you're almost like going into the best country in the world today and you have opportunities now and you may have excuses sometime. you know, I know that I've been in the army and uh, some of the people who have convictions about uh, their beliefs, they wouldn't eat certain foods, but some of them, even though have that the same knowledge about those beliefs they'll say you know what but here we are now in the army what we can do you know we can we can't we need to leave we don't have a choice here. you have to but Daniel showed us that you have a choice and you can stand for that and if you believe in God and I can share with you many amazing stories when I stood for God how God opened the doors and we couldn't even believe it how God was taking care of us in a communist regime and so on and so forth bottom line I believe is this don't be caught into the peer pressure stay strong for what you believe and what you know that God is requiring from you before Helen,
4: the other interesting thing is these were young men and it seems that the temptations to do wrong are stronger when a person is young than when you're older, when you're older you've already made decisions, you're prepared to put up with uh, opposition, but when you're young, you you've a bit afraid to do that, but they were young men, they made the choice, they were going to do what they knew was right and they were rewarded in the long run for it.
2: Thank you, Lynne. You were meant to jump in ahead of me <laughs> because that brings me to in, in a comment that both you and Nick have brought up in the fact that it doesn't matter how young you are, you can make a choice. I learned from a very young lad, and and he was young, and his father had come along to one of our health programs. We were talking about sugar. And um, the father went home and shared what, what he had learned from it. And there is a funny story to that too, but I won't take time for that. But it was interesting that when the child, and he didn't brainwash them, he just told them what we'd shared. And when they went to school, I think it was about a week later, at one of their, um, somebody had a birthday, and they brought out this rich cake. And the eldest daughter, she was at school, she said, oh, I'm going to have some. So she had some. But when it came to this young lad, he had thought about it, and he said, no, thank you. And they tried several times to get him to eat it, including peer pressure. And he stood by what he believed. And they finally said, why won't you have it? And he said, it is too much sugar. It is not good for me. And I thought, wow. At his age, he could do that. The other thing I would like to mention—I think Nick wants to jump in—the <laughs> other thing I'd like to mention is that often we, um, when we're talking about healthy living and what have you, people come back, and I've had this come to me too. Oh, that's all Old Testament stuff. You don't have to follow that. I was asked recently uh, by some young people, and uh, it was at midnight round a campfire, and, and one of them said, "Oh, yes. Well, you know, that's all very well for the Old Testament." we actually go by the new is there anything in the new testament that gives us an idea of what we should eat or drink i said well there's a very good text i think it's 1 corinthians 10:31 okay. that says whatever we eat whatever we drink do all to the honor and glory of god and to me that sums it up well mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. what i was going to just uh, uh, add um, here is that keep in mind that these young people as was mentioned before they came from a uh, uh, you know um, Background, which was, you know, like uh, well-educated, but what I would I would like to to bring to the um, to uh, our attention is that these people were very well-educated at home while they were young. And Len, you mentioned that uh, young people are more tempted, you know, to do things. But if you have a good foundation, and I we should should recognize that when you have good foundation, you know, and you're parents are teaching you the right thing you know you still have a choice you may uh, want to to follow that or not but i believe these young people they had a very good uprising
3: licha would you look at uh, daniel chapter 1 and verse 8 and tell us what this is yes
1: um, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. So it means um, that Daniel, he decided before everything happened, he decided in his own heart not to defile himself with the food and wine from the uh, king's uh, table. Uh, this is a very important and an example for me because when you make a decision in, in your own heart you already made a plan and you, you visualize what is happening be, uh, in the future and uh, if you have a, a strong trust and believe in your, in your God uh, God is opening a door for you so uh, I observe here that it's very important that Daniel's free choice opens the way for God to act as he does in his own life. And our decisions in our heart and trust in God impacts our choices. So Daniel trusted God with all his might and all his strength and power. And this is an example for us.
3: Helen you wanted a a word
1: just very quickly um, I think it comes down to
2: the point of saying am I going to follow the best that God has wanting me to do or am I going to follow man's ways Mm -hmm. and as it says he he purposed in his heart he determined in his heart and if we determine and we look if we're addicted to something and, and the addiction comes up it may be food it may be alcohol it may be drugs it may be cigarettes whatever you know determine in your heart that you want to do what is right for your body and what God asks us to do
3: Many Bible followers know that we're living in the end days. The time you and I will see the return of Jesus, the signs are all around us according to the Bible. What should people be doing now as we see the return of Jesus? Panel?
0: I would like to mention something here because we haven't got time today to really look into the old uh, uh, verses, you know, in 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 this chapter of Daniel. But one thing is that this... um, Uh, guard who was looking after Daniel and the three young men he already could see in this young man something special something uh, good something different because even though when they ask him to to look after them and change their diet he was concerned and said, look, yeah, well, that's, but my, my head is on, uh, on play here, you know. If I will do that and if the king finds out, I will be in big trouble. You see, that was a, a closer dialogue in between these uh, um, Hebrew people and the, their uh, boss, to say so. But to me, it's important because I believe these young people really witnessed to this man and win his heart in a way or the other. And he was able to do that for them, to give them uh, that chance of showing that God is bigger than... Helen?
2: Yeah, sorry. I'd like to answer your question. I believe Scripture says now is a day of salvation. Now is the time to make a decision. Not in, in next week or next year or whatever. Now, we need to repent of what we've been doing in the past that hasn't been right and if you truly want to follow the Lord and you love him, it's time now to be baptized, become his follower. Now is the time.
3: Mm. That is so sort of mm. true. Licia, you want to Yeah, that? I
1: was just to say exactly what Helen was saying. Take your decision now and make a good decision. Make a decision to follow God because your life, I mean my life in this life as I live, life without God, it's, it's, it doesn't have a meaning. It's meaningless.
3: I think a very good example of this, and I'm sorry to bring this one up, but as you know, all these fires that's going everywhere, there are many, many people who made decisions to move home or get out of where they were before these fires came and they were saved. But some people unfortunately stayed back and didn't take the decision to leave and unfortunately they lost their lives. And unfortunately this is going to what's happen when Jesus comes back. The time to make these decisions is now so that you can be prepared for this day which is going to come upon us unexpectedly. Helen, would you like to read Daniel chapter 1 and verses 9 to 17?
2: Yes, I'd love to. New Living Translation again. Verse 9 starts off with... Now God has given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel. But he responded, I'm afraid of my lord the king who has ordered that you eat this food and wine. If you become pale and thin compared to the other youths uh, your age, I'm afraid the king will have me beheaded. Daniel spoke with the attendant who had been appointed by the chief of staff to look after Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah. Please test us for ten days on a diet of vegetables and water. Daniel said, "'At the end of the ten days, see how we look compared to the other young men who are eating the king's food. Then make your decision in light of what you see.' The attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestion and tested them for ten days. And at the end of the ten days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished. So after that, the attendant fed them only vegetables instead of the food and wine provided for the others.' God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. And God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meanings of visions and dreams. What I found extremely interesting, it was the attendant that changed their names. Well, I kind of figured he had the right to change the menu if he wanted to. But he did take a chance. He did take a risk. But they were respected. And it was interesting that God blessed them. He blessed them in such an amazing way with their physical well-being, wisdom and spiritual gifts. One of the ladies at my seminar once, she hadn't drunk much water. She started drinking water when I explained what it was doing. Three days later, she came back to me. She said, I feel so much better. I didn't realize the difference that made. Sometimes it's only little steps, but, you know, we can see differences. And that's what they saw with these three men.
1: They are four men. Mm. Um, I would like to visualize a little bit when uh, these young people were talking with the chief official. Uh, I think they were very humble. They were very respectful. They were very uh, attentive to his instructions. And they gained the favor of this chief uh, official and... Uh, on the other side, the, the chief official had favor and sympathy and respect towards them. So, uh, because of that, he allowed them to have this trial of 10 days.
3: Well, this is time certainly marching on with this. As we read in Daniel chapter 1, verse 5, For the next three years Daniel and his three friends were taught all the ways of the Chaldeans of Babylon, they absorbed all that they were taught, including a new language, but they did not forget their own God and worshipped him only in all their ways. But now they have a very important test. Len, would you like to read Daniel chapter 1 and verse 18 for us?
4: Well, I'm going to delve back into verse seventeen <coughs> first. first. Okay. It says, To these four young men God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. I think there's two issues here before I read the rest. Number one, I believe it's a rule of life. If we follow, trust and obey God, we will be blessed. If you read the Old Testament, the history of Israel is all about when they obeyed God, he blessed. When they disobeyed, they were not blessed. And in this case, they served and obeyed. The other thing I want to say before I read the rest is this. The young men proposed to their keeper. We are happy to undergo a test. And this reminds me of what I read in Malachi chapter 3, where it talks about tithing. And the Lord says, uh, with regard to paying tithe, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, If you do what I say, I will bless you. Anyhow, at the end of the time, said by the king to bring them in, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. Now listen to this. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them... 10 times better than all the magicians and enchanters in the whole kingdom. Wow. Their minds were clear because of the diet they had, and the the Lord had blessed them. And so these young men were amongst the first
0: wave of people who came into the king's service. If we have just a very short bracket there, which means now that... um Things like what you eat its important in life or, uh, uh, you know, because these days we have so much uh, choice, you know, to make. Is that important to follow what God was teaching us from the beginning in terms of even what we eat? Well, from personal experience,
4: I say yes. Mm.
1: Yes, because it says uh, you are what you eat. There is a proverb. So, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Based on my experience the same Whatever I introduce in myself In that order my brain is clear or foggy I think that's an important point that Your your
2: brain becomes unclear Too much sugar, too many cigarettes, too much alcohol Too many drugs, um, too many late nights Whatever, they all affect every part of our body Including our brain And I think that's, you know, we're given a wonderful body We're given a wonderful brain and, And let's keep it that way Let's and it,
0: and it's way. interesting that that was for the benefit of of the next phase, which happened, the dream of the king, you know, mm. we, because they were prepared to be able to to have a clear uh, mind, if you like, and uh, yeah. Panel,
3: have we any other examples of where God blessed people who trusted Him?
2: Yes, I believe we've got many examples, but the one that comes to my mind is way back in Genesis chapter six, and it's the story of Noah, and he spent around a hundred years building an ark but he didn't really understand what lay ahead of him even though god had said to him but he'd never seen rain they'd never seen an ark and he had a lot of opposition but you know god blessed him because he trusted him and saved the people in the ark Lecha, um
1: yes um i can uh, mention job uh, we can read in in, uh, in the book of Job. He was very sick for f- some time, for quite a few months, and he lost everything. He lost his sons uh, and uh, everything he had, um, but he still trusted in God, even though he did not understand why these things were happening, facing his wife's opposition and his friend's opposition, but he trusted in God faithfully.
4: Mm-hmm. Lynn? Well, I refer to the story of Joseph in Genesis chapter 37, where Joseph was disenfranchised. He was taken from his own country into a foreign land. However, he did not abandon God. He did not abandon his principles. He had plenty of opportunity to um, please himself, but he chose to serve God and eventually he was made prime minister over the whole of Egypt mm. because of his faithfulness. And that's a bit like Daniel, Mishael, Azariah, and Hananiah; They were given exalted positions which stemmed from their faithfulness.
2: I think it's interesting that one point that jumped out at me then when Lynn was talking about Joseph, but we've talked about Joseph and Job and and Noah and, and of course, Daniel. It didn't happen immediately that they, they saw God's blessing. Remember, you know, if you look at the story of Daniel and you see what happened when he went from a prisoner to a prime minister, but there were steps in between. And the same here with Joseph, sold into slavery, worked in Egypt, went to prison and what have you before you could see God's blessing. And yet God was with him every step of the way. Mm-hmm.
0: And, and that's, that's what I, uh, I wanted to also underline there, that through these examples, even though they wouldn't have an idea of what's laying ahead of them, they chose to stay faithful to God and to, um, rather to listen to God than to, uh, to be caught in the circumstances of life. Yeah. And this is a good lesson for each one of us now. Now, for how uh, long we we are still asking, God, for how long you're still uh, uh, waiting to put an end to this suffering, to this uh, whatever's going on in this world? But the, the thing for us is not to ask God for how long you do that, but to ask ourselves if we are prepared, mm-hmm. if we are right with God right now and he even though his long suffering as was mentioned in this program that time will come when God will put an end to the suffering or when God will elevate his people to the promise which he gave them
4: I have a real life example about making the right decisions and trusting God one of my mates years ago was Brian we went to church together Later on, Brian made some bad decisions. The end result was that Brian was not very happy, took his own life, shot himself. On the other hand, I'm awaiting the return of Jesus.
3: Mm. Well, listeners, the Bible is full of stories of people who trusted in circumstances that many of us would not want to find ourselves in. But through all their trials and tribulations, they all remained faithful to God many losing their lives in the process. However, when Jesus comes back, they will be raised from the dead and spend eternity with God, along with all of those today who trust in God. Why don't you join them? Helen, would you like to end in prayer?
2: Love to, thank you. Let's pray. Loving Heavenly Father, we are in awe of your wisdom. Father, we thank you that you have shown us through these stories in the Bible and the stories of the people, especially Daniel and his three friends, what can happen when we fully trust you, when we are fully committed, none of self. But all of you, I pray, Father, that each one of us that that are here today and each one listening will make a firm commitment, a purpose in our hearts to follow you, come what may. Even if we do not know or understand, may our lives be completely entwined with yours. And may we be a blessing to all those that are around us, Father. And may not one of us be missing when Jesus comes in those clouds. May we all go home and worship you forever. My prayer in the precious, precious name of Jesus. Amen.
4: Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you so much for uh, your participation today. And um, I believe that uh, this good example with Daniel and his three friends can be applied in our lives. If you choose to follow God, God would not let us uh, down. May God be with you. And don't forget, keep walking in the footsteps of Jesus.